right, welcome to another episode of Chrissy Chaos. Today, my guest, originally from Louisiana, we have questions, moved to Chicago, fresh after college, became great stand-up, got passed at the comedy clubs in Chicago, worked as one of the, one of the best cashiers in Trader Joe's history. Um, he transferred, left Trader Joe's, and then worked there until he could afford full-time working in comedy, wound up opening up, doing all this stuff by himself, but then opening up for Trevor Noah in arenas all over the world. He looks like a guy that I could overpower, but while I'm sitting next to him, definitely has a body built for jujitsu. so I'm not even going to attempt it. It's the one, the only, Josh Johnson, folks. Hey, how you doing? Is all of that accurate? Uh, almost accurate. What did we miss? Um... Most of the cashiers at Trader Joe's are too nice to say that they're the best. So if right. you just say you're the best, you're automatically the best. Right. Uh, I don't actually know if I was the best. I've heard in the in the streets of Chicago that you were you're just the best. I tried really hard. Do you shop at Trader Joe's now that you don't work there anymore? Do you still yes. use their services? Still, almost exclusively. Yeah. It's kind of like if you're not shopping at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. Like, you're made to feel like, what are you doing? You're not being healthy. You're not really contributing to American society the way we need you to. Sure. This is what happens. Anytime you work at a place, like, I had a friend who worked at, uh, like, a chicken spot okay. in town when I, was, when I was really young. And it was like, we're all 16. It's his first job and stuff. And it was so nasty that he doesn't eat chicken anymore. So the Trader Joe's experience I had was so good that both to support and to keep like eating the stuff I really fell in love with while I worked there and to save money, I go there. So Trader Joe's clean as fuck. It was my two stores that I worked at were super clean, uh, were great people, like honestly, really interesting people, like with with all these different backgrounds. It's crazy how good a work environment can be when you don't drug test. Like you're like most workplaces are like one no drug test away from being dope. Right. Yeah. I mean, so you're saying so you're the advocate because I agree with this mm -hmm. where it's like just let people be who they are. We're putting up grapes. So like if and don't get me wrong, if your drug use is stopping you from putting the grapes up, like yeah. if like if it's something as simple as stacking apples right. and your cocaine use is making the apples roll down every right. time, then yes, you you cannot do cocaine here. Right. But if somebody is out here operating at like warp speed and they're on a little cocaine, then like and I mean, look, the only thing I knew of was weed, but weed just made the workplace better. That's the thing. If you're going to make it a company policy, a broad company policy to drug test and do that, then you're really taking away a lot of aspects of people's personalities and a lot of good potential workers. Like if you're fun on fentanyl mm -hmm. and you're doing that mm -hmm. and you're making everybody at Trader Joe's feel better from the employee to the actual customers, mm -hmm. then let, let him do fentanyl. Just like yeah. I, I feel the same way with sports. I love sports. If the player is better on steroids, let them do the steroids. Yeah, if you are better on Fenty, which is what I'm calling it now, I like if it. you're better on Fenty, yes, uh, at anything that you do, yes. then like, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? Now, 99% of the population is going to kill you. It's going to kill sure. you in like one try. Just, sure. just really, yeah. a, a, the amount that goes into a, a, a like fingernail will right. destroy your life. But right. if you're one of the the millionth type percentile yeah. and you are better on Fenty right 
Who am I to stop you? Now, here's the here's the thing, because you put out an album called Elusive, right? Mm -hmm. 2021. And it is an album that I don't think any of our peers have done anything like this. It's comedy and music. Okay, mm -hmm. it's 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 it, it. First of all, it starts with him kind of welcoming you to the listening experience. And he, you asked to, that you listen to it all the way through, which I did. I, I obeyed your command. And I wow. and I was like, wow, because a lot of people with comedy albums, they just it's just the tracks. It's the it's it. There's nothing really different about it. It's just you at the comedy club or the theater or whatever. But I always said, you know, like Steve, um, uh, Adam Sandler back in the day had comedy albums that were all like mini sketches. And I, I was so invested because I'm like, what's this guy going to say next? And that's where with stand up. So they're like, all right, it's just the next track and the next track. And I get it. Even my own stand up album, I'm like, who is listening to that? Why would you listen? It's so boring. And, and so but yours was comedy. And then here's the here's the distinction. It's not, and I got no beef with anybody who does it this way, but it's not musical comedy. That wasn't what it is. It was literally just music. Like, like Donald Glover, dude, who does do comedy and music. And when I was listening to that, I was like, yo, I was like, did was he able to do this and make this sober or was he on drugs or some kind of substance? Because it was so dope that I was like, I don't know if this can just naturally happen or is his brain that dope or did he have, did he have a little fetty? Uh, I, I've never done a drug before because I'm, I'm a lot now. Right. Like if, like even when I, when I see you at the cellar, we usually see each other in passing, like right. we're going from spot to spot. But like, if we really sat down and talked for like an hour, I think you would walk away being like, Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad that you're, you're, uh, not on anything. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so the, the idea came about because I had always wanted to get involved with music and I had always really loved musicians and I, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like there's a disconnect in how our our brains work as people, where when people go into music and people go into comedy, a lot of times they want what the other has. So really? like so you'll see a lot of musicians try to like be funny in between their sets, like everybody's adjusting and stuff and he's trying to tell a story and it's like nothing it's Dude, the worst yeah. story you've heard and then he plays the jam yeah. that you came to hear yeah, yeah, yeah. and so everyone lets it go right but like a lot of comics want to be rock stars want to like be seen as this like uber talented person that makes you feel things whereas a lot of uh, a lot of musicians want what comedians have where people like if you're out here like doing a, a hybrid of like hilarious philosophy and like deep thought that's what someone wants people to see in their right. lyrics. But then people half the time aren't even listening to the lyrics. They're just like, I like this beat, and I like the rhythm that you say things while this beat is happening. Yeah. I, I felt like you're, it was like a nice one. When I was listening to the stand-up, I was like in, in the rhythm of it, in the mood. And then it just kind of seamlessly went to the music. And I kind of, it, it, it was one of those albums that I hadn't listened to before last night. And again, it's called Elusive, Josh Johnson. Go listen to it. It it made me feel like um like I don't have any real talent. That's that was the no. I was driving on the Staten Expressway being like, you don't have any you don't have any actual talent, Chris. No. You no. just can tell dumb stories and you you embellish shit about your father. Way to go, you fucking asshole. <laughs> no, no, I think you're very talented. I think that well, but but you know, you doing you being able to display two very different skills and seamlessly make them one project, that's like real talent. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully people like it. 
have you gotten what have people said about it so far people like it a lot i just think that i did i released it myself and i think that if i had a label or if i had somebody that was that was um industry side really pushing it i, I think it probably would have popped more initially when it came out but there's been some slow growth ever since i released it the beautiful thing about the internet and just like finding your people is that once you release it, that's a starting point. And a lot of industry still um, decides the success from the onset release on. Right. So like, like you'll still see movies and movie stars judge themselves and their projects off of opening weekend. Which is silly. Which is silly because if, especially if it's consistently, like what would you really rather? Would you rather do eight, eight million opening weekend and then two million the next weekend and then two million the next week or would you rather do six million for like seven weekends straight <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and that's kind of what happens on the internet is that once you find your people and they like you and they check out what you do or what you've made in the past or they think they've heard everything they haven't heard everything then people start to to rock with the older stuff and right. that's what i've been getting now is like Every once in a while, I'll get a few DMs that are like, hey, I just finished Elusive and I really enjoyed it. Or like so far, I I also try not to like delve too deeply into comments because it will destroy your soul. But I've only got a few like negative things where they were like, oh, I wish you would have done them separately. I wish you would have released a what music. A album. comment. And I was just kind of like, well... Yeah, but you might have you might not have checked out the other one if I didn't mix them. Yeah, it's you know it's I mean? dumb, and and I I've just made this decision in my life to not give any power to strangers at all anymore. Sure, so I, I don't look at the comments, or or even if you say something to me on the street, if it's not, I don't care. Even if you say something really positive to me, I'm respect. Mm. I'm you know receptive to it, but I'm like I'm not going to let this affect my ego one way or another because I'm like I don't know you. Only sure. the people who I know. Who I've developed a relationship with and a trust with, do I give them any power over the way I feel? I was not like that for a very long time, and I was all fucked up. Yeah. But I was like, so, so, but it is a dumb comment to 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 say that about uh, your work because it's your art, whatever you want to do. But I think too, with the comedy and the music aspect of it, you know, you're kind of getting fans from different genres of stuff to come together. For yeah. you, but but do you feel like you're being recognized as one more than the other? Do you feel like because I only ever knew you as a comedian? Yeah. But do, are there people out there that know you as Josh Johnson, the musician? Um, I mean, I think that no, because I have not learned enough or felt confident enough yet to call myself like really a musician outside of doing comedy. It's like I. I would lean into producer and I've aligned myself with a lot of really smart people that I admire. Like Mike Realm was an EP on the project. And so he was like, this is my first music thing period. So he was um, sort of guiding me and my sounding right. board for like, is this song ready or is this, or is this good and everything. And then um, I think that it's one of those things where I can't really get mad at how anyone sees it because the whole reason I did it and the whole reason I do everything that I do is to like try to be different. You know, there, there was like that old quote, you can either be uh, uh, in, in relation to like your art, you can either be first or be best. Right. And I don't really think I'm the best at anything. So I try to be first with everything that I do. And so 
that was my attempt cool. at being like it was first. I've, I have not seen anything like this, and so let me try it. Yeah. And the the nice thing about doing stuff like that is you either have never seen it before because it's actually a horrible idea, or because <laughs> you're onto something. So yeah. But the only way to find out is, is to put to it, it out. Yeah. How did you do the album cover? It's you sitting on a car that's sinking. Yeah. Can so, you pull that up? Elusive, Josh Johnson. Yeah. Vito. Yeah, it's what? basically this artist um, that was in Georgia, the the country. Yeah. Not oh, not not the, the state. Not the state. Uh, not an Atlanta artist. Uh, yes. This artist from Georgia, I worked with over the pandemic on like a style and a motif and everything. And then we went off of uh, pictures of me mixed with like what I was going for with the mood and the color and everything. And then I had the idea of just the sinking. Like, I don't know if you can see the license plate and everything, but it's just kind of how the whole year felt for for me while i was putting the right the mixtape together a nice car just sinking yeah yeah it's it's yeah it was really cool and like i said when i was i was listening to it um at home and my girl jasmine who we speak about a lot on the show she came in she was like what is this i love this i was like yeah i was like i was like it's one of my friends they're going to be on the podcast tomorrow and, and he go and she um jasmine was like who is she and i was like no that's a guy <laughs> and she, she was like Okay, yes, yeah, a guy, yeah, and then yeah. and then I was, but it is, it is your music is genderless, I, which is a positive thing. There we go, and yeah. your comedy. Well, yeah. It's good to have genderless comedy. I have, you know, I strive for genderless comedy. Yeah, and shout out to uh, Groovebox as well. Groovebox is on four tracks. Okay, and and was Groovebox singing? You were the one singing. No, no, Groovebox is singing. You're never singing. No, I'm I'm in the voicemail in company. I'm not singing in the thing. I'm oh, so Groove that Box voice is, singing. is not you at all. No, 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 no. Oh, I thought Groove that Box was is, you the whole time. No, no, no. That's why I texted you. I was like, "Yeah, Groove Box is great." Like, I you hold thought, on, wait a second. Hold yeah. on. We're, it, 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 this, it's gonna. It's just one second. It'll, it'll be. This is not. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That's Groove Box. That's Groove Box. Not you. That's not me. This, this changes everything. Yeah. For this whole time, I thought because I love that I like him. I love I love. I was like, what a beautiful voice Josh Johnson has! And look at the immense talent to be able to do this and then also do comedy. I'm nothing, but now you've given me my power back. That's I was trying to give you your power the whole Thank time. You. I was Thank like, you. that's why I was like, no, I think you're very talented. If anything, with, I've aligned myself with great musicians. I've gotten it back. Yeah, I feel powerful once again. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm kidding. So, so, so you pro just produce the music. Then. Yeah. God, so, but you're that whole concept though, the words, the, the beat, the yeah, that's so, all you. Yeah. Okay. So, well then that, then that is insane talent. Oh, thanks, Matt. Well, yeah, yeah I co-wrote all of the songs um, except for Frankie's track. Um, okay. The Frankie Tsunami track oh, yeah, 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 yeah. is a remix of a song that he had already released, but I really loved and felt like it m met the motif of what we we're doing, and we didn't have a pure hip-hop song right. on the mixtape yet, so I asked him to write another verse, and so Frankie wrote another verse and then sent us, wow. you know. So you're a producer, and a you're like the good Kanye. Oh, maybe. You're but, the good Kanye. But, like, I mean, honestly, which which Kanye would you prefer? You know what I mean? Kanye is fun. I got to be honest with you. I'm a huge Kanye fan, uh -huh. and I have been since day one. Yeah, yeah. And just like my love of Michael Jackson is not wavering, yeah. neither is Kanye. It's like, you know what, man? They're artists. They're going to do weird shit. That's what you pay for. Yeah. They're yeah. weird. 
Well, that's my thing is that I worry that I will not have a Sistine Chapel like my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy because I may never snap. Right. I may just be sitting here being like, oh, what would be a good decision? Yeah. Completely sober. Right. So, like, not, nothing's even affecting my brain. Well, it's interesting to meet someone who's sober on your never never got into drugs or alcohol because a lot no. of people will say well if, if it where's your vice then what's the vice because it's because we're all have vices do you yeah. know what your vice is do you do you think you have one i definitely i definitely have them but they're they're more like internal things that i just don't necessarily i think that people misplace vices i think that a vice you you end up like putting it all on the alcohol but the vice is the thing that makes you run to the alcohol. Right. So that's my thing is that I have vices, but I just don't exercise them in the way of, of like drugs. Right. Does that make sense? So, you so never- I have the same insecurities as someone who maybe you're really mean to someone and they immediately go grab a bottle. And the, that bottle is the soothing. Right. The vice is like not being able to compartmentalize that this person is just being mean to you in this moment. It, it's not true about you. So like for me, I drink, but never... I've never been through a experience that's been like bad that I'm like, I got to drink or I got to do edibles or something. Mm-hmm. It's only ever been fun for me. I've only yeah. ever drank or done edibles when I'm like, I want to have a good time. I bite my fingernails and toenails when I'm going through a bad time. Yeah. So I don't think all drinking and that is is necessarily attached to the vice. I think that people feel, society feels if you're sober on purpose mm. and it might be because like people want to feel better about themselves. That's actually probably what it is. People want to feel holier than now. So they'll be like, if you're not drinking or smoking, mm. then what must you be doing? Yeah. I will, I will say though, I think that my, my definite issues are like a, an obsession around like, um, I think an obsession around my work and success are not the, the way that I feel them is not healthy. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you like, feel inadequate? Do you feel what do you yeah, feel? Yeah, yeah. If I'm if I'm not if if I'm not having a successful week as far as like breaking some sort of like record for myself or releasing something or whatever it is or just doing like like even if it's just I haven't written a great joke in two weeks, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of a failure. And but, it's like, but, but is it, it a great joke to you, or is it based off what the audience thinks? No, it's a great joke to me. Okay, but I, but like, but so, that's good though that you're controlling the effort, not the you, outcome. Yeah, it is and it isn't though because then it's like, it's not so much about the audience's reaction, but then the audience's reaction can't even save it. Like right. I could have a great set and be like, ah, it's just I didn't like, I didn't turn it into something. Right. <laughs> I mean, like that, that, that's not healthy. Do you, and, and cause you did a lot of work with Trevor Noah worked for the daily show opening up, uh, for him. Do you feel that it's just time for an, uh, a goddamn American to be on the daily show? <laughs> uh, that's the question my fans wanted me to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I have no idea. I mean, yeah. I, I have no idea what's happening next. Like, I don't know. We had a bunch of great guest hosts and everything, and so I I really enjoyed that. And you're working for the show still. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. I know there's a writer strike now. Yeah, but if that yeah. wasn't happening, you're on. If you're yeah, working, you can't even show. come to the pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I it's interesting. No, I'm I'm kidding because it, it is you know funny. Like the neighborhood I'm from, my friends 
would be like, yeah, I stopped watching The Daily Show because it's like I'm not going to let somebody who ain't American tell me about what it's like to be American. And I'm just like, that's pretty, you know, it's pretty dumb it's, it's to think very, like that. It's just pretty dumb. I get it, but it's also like you're, you're very narrow-minded. Well, it's also like it's a weird... You know what it feels like sometimes is the way that you can't, you can't tell anyone anything about themselves unless you're also doing the thing. So, like, if if you don't have kids, you can't give parenting advice, right? Which, to a certain degree, I get because you you aren't there in it. But also, if your kid is a terrorist, yeah, I think <laughs> I noticed that. Like, yeah, that, yeah, like yeah. You know I mean, you don't have to be a chef to know shit doesn't go in a salad. Like, right, that's, right, right, right. It's a very wild thing to be like. If you're not a chef, don't tell me how to be right. a chef. And so, I I definitely. It's a very American sentiment as well to like, nah, somebody from here can't tell us about it. It's like, but everyone from here is from somewhere else. Exactly. Like if if this was if we were in France and someone French made that sort of distinction, it would still be dumb, but it would at least be like, we're all French and we've all been French the whole time. America is full of people from everywhere else. Yeah. So the idea that someone that's not from here recently can't tell us about Right. Is wild. Do you think your parents are proud of you? Um, yes, but I think that I, I definitely think, I mean, my dad passed, so I, I'm pretty sure. When he saw it, when he it, heard the album? When, yeah, when he heard the album in Hopefully Heaven, Got he it. was like, this is dope. Did he die when you were young? No, no, he, he passed in like 2016. Was it, were you close to him? Was it very painful uh, for you? It was deeply painful, but I also am like, this is my thing, I guess, is that I, I look back on it all the time and I definitely feel guilty about not being closer, mm-hmm. but I'm very happy about the relationship that we did have That's because good. I because I don't have anything that I've, I've ever really said to him that I regret it. Mm. And I feel like that's a that's a huge win to say I was a teenager at one point. Right. Or like we would you know, butt heads about stuff. Right. So I never had a thing where I'm like, man, I said that to my dad and now he's gone. And right. I feel like so many of my friends who've had people pass, have that with someone. Right. Where they're like, even if it was re- like closer to when they passed, they were like, I was just like really shitty to them. Yeah. Unfinished I mean, business. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think I felt that for a long time because I felt like I could have been closer, but now I don't feel that as much. Cause I look back on the time we had and I'm like, from the out from the outside looking in for him, he just was like, "Oh, I have a, a like a kind, obedient son. Like, right. What else can I ask for? Yeah, you know I mean, right. my son's like not in jail. Right, not in jail. You know I mean? wish he had a little more fun. I wish he was drinking, doing a little fatty. Yeah, but he's I, I not. wish he, I wish he would, you know, lighten yeah. up. But yeah, yeah, it would have been nice for him yeah. to bail him out of jail. It never happened. Mm-hmm. So, is your mom proud of you? Yeah, yeah. My mom my mom is very proud. I think my mom was worried for a long time just because I went to college and then was like working at grocery stores trying Fine. to do comedy. So then even for <laughs> my mom, she was like, what did you, then what was the money for? Right. You're in so much debt. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and then it all worked out. So it's like now I've retired my mom. So she's really happy and like enabled to enjoy her life. And Does she, Oh, she lives in New York. You moved her close to you? No, no. She's, she's uh, in Georgia. Oh, but but still not the country. Like, no, not the country. Thank, That'd be sick. thank goodness. That'd be so far, though, to yeah. fly. If that artist was like, I'm going to do this for you, but you have to give me your mother. Yeah. yeah She's yeah. my property. <laughs> your, your, your mom has to hang out with me now. Yeah. yeah. You know I mean? 
Do you have brothers and sisters? No, nah, it's just me. Only child. I'm an only child as well. Really? Okay. It, it's interesting. Here's the thing with mm. being an only child, right? Uh-huh. I feel like at times, you know, it's a blessing. A lot of people, as soon as they hear we're only children, oh, man, no brothers or sisters or whatever. And I get it. There, there was tough things to deal with that. And Vito's yeah. an only child. Yeah. And we're, so we're just three lonely men in here. We're yeah. ISIS. This is what yeah. happens. <laughs> is this is what a sleeper cell is. It's yeah. just three lonely yeah. men with no direction. And we're just eventually, this is what happens. So, so um, but I feel like, and I can hear it from you, like you were paid attention to by your parents. Your, your parents kind of yeah. live for you. They put all their effort and energy, parental energy and wisdom into you. They, yeah. And I feel that happened with me too, even though my parents were divorced. Like my mom and dad, like every ounce they had, where I have three kids now. So it's like, it is tough. Like one yeah. of them is going to be a little bit more fucked up because I just didn't have the energy. But and I feel bad. I feel like that, that's, that's relative though. Because I think that a lot of the reason a lot of only children are so messed up is because as an only child, you do get all the attention, you get all the love, and you also get all of the trauma. So something Good that could have like right. could have been an older brother thing, where like because you'll see it where people have like three siblings, right? Mm -hmm. And then the older brother just has a thing with the dad that no one else has. <laughs> yeah. But it's because it was like he was the first boy. So then the dad was like, especially depending on the era, the dad's like, just can't, I just got to make sure this one's not gay. Yeah. But then by the time you get to the, the baby boy, the baby boy is gay. Yeah. And that's somehow <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he's like, dad, why were you punching me in the face yeah. and making me play baseball? Like, right, right. Brett is gay. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, yeah, but you know, your brother's an artist. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, and so then I think when you're an only child, because I'll tell you actually, I'll tell you a, a thing, a little story real quick. Basically, no, take your time. It's the podcast. All right. But we have to fill up time for HelloFresh. So, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, when uh, when I was little, I went to the grocery store with my grandma mm -hmm. and I wasn't just the only child. I was the only I was the first grandbaby in like, I think, like decades. Like, really? Like, yeah. So so my aunt didn't have any kids when I was when I was uh, born. And my, I was my mom's first and only kid. And my grandma only had her two daughters. So right. then, like, there was no grandbaby for forever. You know, my, my aunt, my mom grew up. You had a small like family. That. Yeah, it was, pretty, it was pretty small, but it gets bigger. The, the distant family ends up making it. So instead of it being a big family tree, it's like an oblong, right, you right. know, like, branch. But basically, my grandma took me to the grocery store with her. And this is like not a good grocery store. And I've even talked it's about this. It's not Trader this. Joe's. No, it's not Trader Joe's. Yeah. I, I, I think also, little tidbit sidebar, I think that's also why I shop at Trader Joe's now because it's affordable while feeling and being nice. Right. And so it's me trying to get away from, because this was one of those places where like, I've even talked about this in stand-up. Like legit, I'm I'm actually, I'm, I'm uh, putting out some stuff that's about this very soon. But basically... <laughs> It was one of those places where, like, you would go there and the meat would be, like, $3, but there wouldn't be any label of what the meat was. <laughs> and so you're, Mystery. like, it's just, like, red or pink or, like, a little gray, and it's right. all $3. Right. And so you, and then there's a butcher there. That's how much of a grocery store it was. They had the in-house butcher, like, there. And you'd still be, like, hey, what is, what, what is this one? Because it just has a $3 sticker on it. And he would, like, squint. I'm, like, you just did it. 
Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And so so then we went there and <laughs> there was this like scuffle that that it started an aisle over. So I'm with my grandma, right? And it was like this fight that it started. And it was like a full on like right. like you can hear stuff getting knocked over and they're like swinging at each other and you can hear you can hear like the packing sound of punches. Right. And it's like get out my face, nigga, like all like all this shit, right? Screaming. And and then my grandma is like my grandma was like badass, but like sometimes like too much. So she's going down to turn down the aisle where we can hear the fight happening. She's going towards the she's drama. going towards the fight. I'm like six years old, and I was still like, "Grandma, Don't do, do we need the?" And yeah. she's like, "I need the bread. I can't." Like <laughs> yeah. she she literally she was like, "They ain't fighting me, all yeah. right." So like, I'm, let yeah. me just get it right. And I could in my mind, I could even see her do it of like dodging a punch to grab the bread and back right. away. You know. Anyway, the the other thing that had happened was the night before I um, it was it was a very special night because somehow every adult in the house went to bed without sending me to bed. Like they just forgot. I guess each one of them thought the other one told me to go wash up. and everything. So they all went to bed at different times, but they all, no one made me go to bed. What? So How old just, were you? I was like six. Holy shit. And this is just one of those days that slipped through the cracks, man. You're like, awake. Everybody else is asleep. You are in the house alone unsupervised. I'm in the house. And I knew that, like, like if I ever if I ever woke up in the middle of the night, I always just went back to... It never even occurred to me to, like, go have free reign of the house. At, right. At, I would have been whooped. You know what right. I mean? So, anyway, no one sent me to bed. So, in my mind, legal loophole, right? Sure. So, now it's me with control of the of the remote. And we had cable that month. And cable was one of those things where it's like my mom wanted to give me what other kids had, mm -hmm. but she knew she couldn't like afford it all the time. Right. So like even the joke I said on stage was like, all right, look, yeah, you you're gonna see the beginning of the season of Friends. Yeah. But you're gonna have to find out what happens with Ross and Rachel from word of mouth. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, Cause yeah. we would have it for three months and not have it for six. Jeez. And, and so this then, is before they invented Sling TV. This episode sponsored by Bluetooth. That's right. Let's talk about sex, baby. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bed. Listen up. I'm talking about Bluetooth.com. I want you rock hard for summer, rock hard for fall, rock hard for winter. I want you rock hard 24 7, 365, and Bluetooth is going to get you there. It's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets. Chewy wooies. Chewable tablets. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. The best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. You are going to have a rock-hard penis to have sex with my face that looks like a vagina. All right, we got a great deal for you. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it, baby. Here is the discount and the promo code. Listen up, write it down, do it. Go to BlueChew.com, put in that promo code CHAOS to get your first month free, a free month of boners. All you got to do is pay the $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code CHAOS, first month free. Just pay the $5 shipping. Blue Chew, thank you for sponsoring this podcast and my erection. Prize Picks is the go-to. It is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, 
including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings and and watch the winnings roll in. So it's a different take on it all. You know, like like they're saying right there, you just got to get more than or less than. It's it's a better way to do it. I personally like it. Prize picks is it's it. I, I've done it a couple times and it is more fun. It, it's just fun because. Again, you don't have to know every stat and everything that's going on with every player. It's just they make it a lot simpler for you. And they got quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are um, uh, what makes Prize Picks the number one pick in daily in the daily for, uh, daily fantasy uh, sports app. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday each Tuesday. I love tacos. Look at my face. Prize picks discount select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. I like that. Um, listen, prize picks, okay, like I said, it's something that like my mom can do it because she's just like more or less than the points. And you, you pick, you, you have these two to six players and boom, that's it. You can win money and win it quick. Go to prizepicks.com slash chaos. Use code chaos for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash chaos. Use code chaos for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize picks, baby. Daily Prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, this is before any on-demand anything, yeah, yeah. right? So then um, I ended up watching Night of the Living Dead because it came on on like uh, one of the like late, like it was one of the late programs on like 2 a.m. Sure. or whatever. And I'm watching it. And in my head, I'm like, this is why they send me to bed. This right. is the worst thing I've ever seen. This is right. absolutely... Because also when you're six, you don't know what is real life and what is right. fully fantasy. Yeah. So in my mind, some of this stuff can happen. Sure. Know? Anyway, I go, I go to bed traumatized. Wake up. My grandma takes me to the grocery store with her. And we're walking. She, we hear this like huge, loud thud. And before this, all type, all manner of I'll shoot you in the face has been said. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So we hear this loud thud and then silence. And so my grandma's still turning down that aisle. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I'm about to see a dead body. Like, yeah. he, said, he said, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And then I heard a loud thud and no movement. Right. And so what we, re what we realized later, because people were talking about it throughout the store and everything, the two dudes fighting were two dudes in wheelchairs. So that's why the scuffle was so messy because they were getting knocked back and they had to roll back and punch and get knocked back. And then when they would turn the chair, be knocking stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. over on the aisle and stuff. Yeah. And so basically what we heard with that thud was a finishing move of the other guy because basically instead of punching, when they rolled back to each other, he just grabbed that dude by the collar and threw him out his wheelchair. And you're done. And so then this dude on the ground, right? right? And then the other guys rolled off away from the scene of the crowd. When we turn, though, there's just rice and bread all over the floor. And this dude from the wheelchair is crawling to me like this with no legs. Right. And so I scream. I'm like, zombie! Like, like screaming it so loud. Yeah. So loud in the middle of the... It's like, zombie! I'm screaming in this man's face. Zombie! And my grandma grabs me. And pulls me down the other aisle, and she's like, "What is wrong with you? Yeah, what is it? that is an amputee. All yeah. right, you need to show some compassion." And I told her, she like whooped my ass too. I told her, I was like, "Grandma, I don't know what an amputee is, but that nigga is a zombie." Yeah, all right? yeah. like in my mind, my grandma just not hip to what zombies do and who they are. Yeah, I yeah. just had research the right. night before. Right. Yeah. Shit, dude. I mean, and and that and but that's also just growing up in Louisiana. 
this is growing up in Louisiana is also growing up in like it just was not the best neighborhood as well. So it's like you you end up a lot of stuff ends up seeming normal to you right. for a long time until right. you talk to someone who didn't go through it. I happen to know a lot of my stuff wasn't normal immediately because I ended up going to like a private school. So I was around white kids with money. Right. So then I would say something, they'd be like, what happened? Huh? So are they in jail? Like what happened? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, nah. Yeah, yeah. They're just hanging out. They're just belly crawling around the supermarket. Yeah, yeah just crawling around the supermarket. So wait, so how'd you wind up in the private school? You're, I get, so, that's being an only child. Yeah. Helps. Being an only child, my grandma, my dad, my mom, and sometimes even my aunt, obviously like my grandpa too with my grandma, but that's like five people pooling their money together for your education. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, then I ended up going to, I ended up getting scholarships to stay in those private schools, but initially... Right, like like being in a private elementary school was everyone like pulling they were like their Josh is going to get us all in this neighborhood, and then you got to Trader Joe's, and you were like, "This is <laughs> this is what I want to do." Yeah, yeah. And your yeah. parents were like, mm -hmm. "Yeah, we're like, okay, what wow." The, the, your grandma's like, "You think the incident in the supermarket scarred him? What the wheelchair thing?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is is also one of those things where you're like, <laughs> you're like, man, maybe I should like. I think that people feel that with their kids now. There are people putting so much into their kids' education or into their yeah. kids, like, a sport that the kid is good at. Maybe they'll go to the Olympics or whatever. And then the kid ends up picking comedy or working at a grocery store, and you're like, maybe I should have put it all on crypto that year. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I'd probably, <laughs> if we're talking about a retirement... Like, it worked out for my mom. Right. My mom's doing, doing very well. I think that, obviously, obviously, if my dad hadn't passed, he would also be... Yeah, they were together. They never got divorced or anything. No, they did get divorced. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I they feel got... like it just happens. It Everybody, also... I'm divorced too. My family. But, but the thing is, this, the people who invented it didn't live long. Who invented marriage didn't yeah. live long. Yeah, yeah. The people who invented marriage, it was like, look, if you got married, let's say there's no internet. Okay. And you, there's not there's we're in not North great, Korea right now. There's not great travel, so you get by by horse. All okay. Right? So you're not going that far either. Right. And then you end up getting married. You're only going to live to 32. Best case scenario. You got married at like 20, 23. I think you can make it work that long. Nine years. Yeah. About the time. The re so you think now we kind of have this kind of archaic principle that we're trying to get into modern times. They're, they've already said that if they keep making the advances that they're making, especially like with how good AI is getting with surgery and stuff like that, that like even if it's even if we're being dragged along, they're talking about a lot of people crossing over 100 now, like a ton of people. So now people getting married, even even what seems like late, even if you get married at like 45. You're gonna live to be a hundred. It's fifty-five years, baby. Yeah. So, do, are you against marriage then? If you found the right woman, person? No, I'm not. I'm not against marriage. I just think that, like, in order for it, this is it's such a it's such a sticky thing. In order for it to mean anything, it does mean that maybe you you do sign up to be a bit miserable, right? Like, like, like it. Because then whenever you go to someone's third wedding, you are kind of like, so yeah. we're just having a party, right? right like, right. I don't need to get you a good gift. Yeah, Because, yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, what's the point? For me, to even get remarried again is insane. It's like, it's one thing. It's your partner for life. It mm. didn't work out. 
then how can you do this again? Like, yeah. I never understood that. I'm not saying you can't be in a relationship again for another 20, 30 years, but to get remarried again? Yeah, yeah. It's weird to me. It just seems like you're 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 obsessed with the idea. You're, it's like you're you're... You're romanticizing what you saw in the movies, yeah, or TV shows, you know. And like, I'll even I'll even say this: the the thing I was having this conversation with my friends as well before I came here. The thing that makes relationships so hard to me now is that it used to be staying alive and maintaining a relationship were the two hardest things a person had to do. Right. So it was like keep my spouse happy, don't get syphilis. Right. You know what I mean? And now. It's like all of life across the board as an American, as someone who's like at least living like middle class, right? All of life is so convenient and so easy. People's lives aren't easy, but like every aspect of life is easy to the point where now relationships are just as hard as they've ever been. But now they're so much harder than the next hardest thing for you to right. do that you're like, why would I put up with this? And so right. then everyone has, why would I put up with this? Everyone has like, and then you get it from all sides. You get the people who are like, um, girl, you're better than him, dump him, you're a queen. Right. And then you get the people who are like, bro, don't change for anybody. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like all of that stuff right. compounding on top of how hard it is for two people, even on an island, to be together in general has made it like nearly impossible and then you know i think too that's great points and then i think with just technology now like you might get into an argument with your spouse boyfriend girlfriend whatever and then just like google like how do i deal with spouse doing this and then your entire algorithm and everything on that phone without you even knowing it until now i think people are starting to catch on is towards how people deal with that and all the you'll see all these memes and stuff coming up with trying to make you think, am I really happy with this person trying to give you alternate lives? Yeah. And you start to be like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's yeah. tough. But I will say, like having like children now, you know, I got kids, you know, me and my girl, we, you know, we, 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 ha we have uh, we went through times where it wasn't good and now it is good and together. I do think there is something that's just like intuition. Like it's intuitively, I feel like this person, I am safe with this person. There's a safety that yeah. I get with her, even though at times, even like we're in the middle of a fight or whatever, or you, you know, I'm like, yeah, but this person is very likely to be by my side in the future and to stick with me because we've stuck through so much that sometimes when I'm thinking about that, you know, what you mentioned, like the, kind of like what if you know or or i don't have to deal with this i think about that and i still do there's times where i go back and forth but more now i'm like well how much stronger because i'm dealing with this how much stronger am i getting as a person but i but then i think well wouldn't life there's so many people that we have access to now you used to only that's, know the people yeah. in your village that's now what, it's yeah. like how I might have a hundred soulmates. Why not try to meet them all? Yeah. So that's what I was talking about. Even in the example before of like, you could make, you know, a, a nine year marriage work back in the day. Cause it's like, you're not going to get that far out of your, out of your general area where no. you live. And I think that now we have the illusion of choice where it's like, now there's just this like burden of reminding yourself that, that someone's Instagram isn't real. So even if someone from their Instagram DMs you and is like, oh, I love you. I want to I want to meet you and let's yeah. hang out. I think we'd be great together, whatever. That's still a person on the other end that might be crazy if they're real, if they're not a bot. But right. like, I, I think that there's there's just something to be said for the fact that like 
y- your ability to make things work is your practice at making things work. Right. So so the other reason that so many people are like trash in relationships is because for every one of them up until then they were like I don't need to deal with this. But what if you what if you did outside of like, you know, some physical abuse or something? What if you did deal with a difficult person? Or what if you did deal with even for a time, even if it was just for the challenge of problem solving? Right. Because even in a healthy relationship, you're going to end up having a fight where the other person is completely sure that they're right and you're going to be completely yeah. sure you're right and it's going to be an impasse. So how do you get past the impasse? You know yeah, what I mean? That's like that's like the game of it all. Yeah, I it's it's one of those things where, you know, like when you said like, you know, like like even like traveling, like this whole idea of like traveling and seeing new things and like not only are we living longer but we're experiencing more. I just read I'm reading this book, um, The British Are Coming, about uh, the Revolutionary War, and King George III, like the sitting king of England, the highest, and when England was the number one superpower, Mm -hmm. he never in his life left England. He never went to Ireland. He never went to Wales. He never went to Scotland. He never came to the colonies. And that was pretty common back then. Like, you were not, if you were born in that country, other than if you're fighting in a war and you're going to die there, you never, ever, ever saw any, the most you'd see is your country and England a smaller country. It's like, yeah. so it's like, you're probably at that point. It, it, and also marriage back then was about land and t- like poor people weren't really getting married. It was the wealthy to like lock in their land. It was business deals mm-hmm. where now when you're like, oh, this whole idea of like love and, and marriage, that's a thing literally like Hallmark created that. Whoever created Hallmark, I forgot, like whatever the first one was, created that in like the early 1900s. So like get married for love. It, it was all about like, I'm, you know, you're going to marry my, you know, the marriages were betrothed. I was betrothed to you when I'm three years old. It's like, oh, we have no choices. This is what life is. And then they love got involved. And now it's like this whole thing that, you know, and I think when you start talking like this, especially, you know, mostly women will be like, well, fuck you. You're just trying to get away from the idea of marriage. It's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm very committed to my girlfriend and, and the idea of being my children's father and, and, and in their life. But this whole idea of marriage, looking around, I'm like, all I've ever seen it is causing problems. The actual, because it's like a legal bounding thing. It's like, you, now you've gotten the law involved with our thing that the law wasn't supposed to be involved. And we had Dr. Drew on in here, and he was saying like, no, that I'm wrong, that it's more than just a piece of paper and it's a contract with society. But I don't, I guess I haven't really processed if I agree with that or not. But I'm just like, I don't know, man. I'm a child of divorce. And mm. what I saw was two people better off divorced than married and me as their child saw two people who loved each other, who weren't right for each other romantically, but were right as parents. Yeah. So it's yeah. like people just want to be like, I got to stay for my kids. It's like, I don't think so. I mean, I, yeah, I'd be interested in, in how he phrased it, because even if it's a contract with society, the fact that it is so easily broken is not the security. Like I had this conversation with lots of with lots of women who I'm like, why do you want because they would be children of divorce and they'd still want to get married. And I was like, why do you want to get married? And and they'd say, you know, there's just some security in it. And there's the and I'm like, there's no security. No, people are just as likely to leave as before you got you've made it a little bit more difficult. All you've really done is put a chair in the way of the door. Right, right, there's, right. Th- there's no like, yeah, I can't leave now because the can't leave was the social pressure. But now that we 
I mean, it, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword because now that we've done away with shame in so many ways in, in our society, yeah. you've also done away with the things that stop people from doing things because of the shame it would bring. Yeah, it's like morality is down. Morality in society feels down. It, well, it's also just that you've changed the parameters around what morality is. So I would agree that back in the day, the people who were like, you are a bad person if you get divorced, were insane. It's like there were people like cheating a bunch or people sure. like whooping their wives. Like there, yeah. there was a lot of stuff happening, right? So divorces made sense. And then when it got bad enough, people really did get divorced because it broke the threshold socially of of like the backlash I'll get. Do you know what right, I mean? Right, 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 right. And so so my thing is by by changing that, it's fine if you want to change that, but then you will lose the social pressure to stick together. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. So so you lose the stigma, but you also lose the the pressure. And I think that the stigma was bad. I'm I'm saying that. I I just think that you you can't have one without the other. Right. The only thing keeping our great grandparents and grandparents together was the social pressure, stigma stigmatization of divorce. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So since we don't have that, it's not the security that a lot of people think it is. Right. You know? I feel like this is good first day talk. Oh yeah, it's great. This is good. This is this. Do you get a lot of second dates? Uh, I used to. Yeah, I've been with you're my, a good looking guy. I've been with my girlfriend for like uh, six years now. Oh, you're. Oh, you're, I thought you were single. No, no, I no, thought, no. Okay, I no, thought no, you, were, no. you. I thought you were presenting to me as just I'm single and this is what I fucking no. believe. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I, your girlfriend is earmuffing this conversation <laughs> right now. But like, I, I think. Oh, you you remind me of something that I wanted to bring up before before yes. we we fin about how you know the king never left England. I do feel like there's a lot of people like that now. And I think that it's why when you travel, there's just something about traveling where you end up getting sometimes without even having a conversation, you end up getting so much perspective on how people think, not even about how French people or South African people think about how just individuals will think. Right. right. And, and I think it's funny cause it was just, you know, recently 4th of July yeah. and 4th of July is very conflicting holiday for for black people and for, yeah. and for dogs right it's like <laughs> black people and dogs just we all know because it's like okay there's a barbecue but also uh-uh the yeah. rest of this is like yo yeah because yeah. first of all dogs don't know what's going on they, no. they, they think it's war yeah yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah and then with black people it's like i've even been talking about <laughs> i've been talking about this for a while how like when you read the Declaration of Independence and you also know what was happening around it, sure, it feels it feels the way I it, it must feel when somebody lies on their dating bio. Right. Because it's all these like you're talking all that good shit about freedom and like we're all equal and all this like and slavery's about to start. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like slavery, yeah. slavery just started cooking, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it just feels like Oh, you know, I'm not looking for anything serious. Like, <laughs> it's just the same vibes where you're like, but you're lying. And then the idea that we celebrate the thing, because so many black people fought in sure. the revolutionary. Like, Big it's, time. Not, it's not really taught, but the idea that yeah. everyone was like, we're free. And then, and then somebody was like, what do you mean we? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's such a <laughs> it's such a wild concept to me. Like, let me ask you this yeah. because and 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 I'm, I I was still more late to the game, but not as late as 
others because I love history and was thinking like this, you know, like in college, like, huh, because I like literally was like seek out history. But a lot of people didn't. You as a black person, did you have you always felt this way? Because now white people know this like, oh, shit, July 4th is problematic. And like everything you just said, it's like now it's like gotten into like the average white person who's not seeing out history. It's like they start to understand that. But you as a black person or like a kid, were you thinking that like in like sixth grade being like, wait a minute, this is bullshit. Yeah, it, I thought about it starting in eighth grade. Because that's when I got taught. Because this is the misconception that you'll probably have if you grew up in Florida, is that on July Fourth everybody was free, right? Like that because you you people you know sing national anthem and we have readings of the Declaration of Independence stuff like that. And it's like because there without the context of what was really happening around that time, and without the context that the people writing and signing it were right. like like slave owners, you don't really notice or understand how they only meant them right and i think that you know look i can still celebrate fourth of july in in its essence as the idea of like me not being british (laughs) yeah Yeah, but it's just the full (laughs) gung-ho-ness of it you know that's why i'm like ah the barbecue is nice but yeah, you, know, you can't. You're not going to drape yourself in an American flag. You can't do it. Which, you can't light firecrackers out of your ass. Which also, I really do get. This isn't a condemnation of anybody. I get why white people love it so much because it's like right. that was y'all's finish line. Yes. Yeah, you know I mean, our finish line wouldn't come for a little while, and we already celebrated June. I think that's the other problem, right? Because Juneteenth is before July Fourth. Yeah. Not only have a lot of black people already cooked, but right. like we, like. It's weird to do it. It would be, it would almost be different if it was August 10th. Yeah. Because then you're like, <laughs> all right, you get yours. I'm about to get mine. But then you have yours first. And then the one that it's isn't weird, yours weird. is after. Well, you, you could, I, mean? I know. And it sucks because like you can, like historians, you could just lie. You yeah. can just lie and say it was in August. You don't have to say it was June 9th. That's a good point. Like anything with history is like up to the interpret. It's like, you know, the fact that, you know, you know, Napoleon existed or didn't exist is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. No, he's not here now. Juneteenth, 1865 yeah. happened. So it's like you could have just said it was August and people will be like slowly be like, yeah, I, b- I believe that. Yeah. Well, you know what? That, that's the thing. That's uh, yeah. To, to your point, though, that's the whole thing is that they did lie. And it was <laughs> it was like took, it took forever for them to be like. Guys, y'all know you're you're free, right? Which is also the, crazy. the wildest concept to me of like, it would be like going to the grocery store and then when you get ready to leave, they're like, why are you paying? Right. This stuff right. is free. Free, yeah. And you're just sitting there with like $300 in your hands right. where you're like, right. I've been paying my whole life. Right. It's like, no, it's free. Right. You didn't know? Yeah. Right, I'll see you later. Yeah. I think that I think that it's good that it's being, you know, from a history fan like talked about and educated on now to to know stuff but i think that you know like you and i mm. we only grew up in this time yeah so yeah. even with history like we can both educate ourselves on it but it's like neither one of us was around back then so yeah. we don't really know we know how yeah. we feel today and i think today for sure i'm not even speaking on other races just as part of the the white race the best race <laughs> imagine that's the clip no the, the one <laughs> you just pan to me yeah and it's the it's the opposite of the kanye mike myers thing it's yeah. just like you know like yeah <laughs> we should that should actually be the opening clip i like, go the white race the best and then pick a shot of josh just listening to me 
You know? If anything, just looking horrified. Like yeah, all, yeah. all my black friends know I'm doing the podcast, and then and they they look at yeah. me. What? <laughs> but I think that not again. Just speaking solely from the white point of view, for one hundred percent, you. I know that like white people, myself included, are being the most educated about the past now. So that has to be mm. good signs for the future because it was just like me 40 years ago. There was no education mm -hmm. about it at all. You just had to be the guy that sought out history to even know it. And that was few and far between where now it's like my daughter will be taught about more like like what you mentioned about July 4th will be mentioned to her in second grade. Sure, so it's sure. like moving the right direction. So sometimes when I hear people, you know, shit on America now, I get that every society is imperfect and we got a lot of fucking problems. But it's like that it is moving in the right direction. I, I think yeah. that's undeniable. And it's also like I get I get exhausted with people because all of my stuff is like in my comedy and then quietly in my life. I get exhausted with people who trash America up and down like they also haven't traveled. That's the craziest thing. The people who like love America, there are people who love America like you love your dick where you're like, I've yeah. never seen another one, but I think mine's the best. Right, like, that's, right, right, right. like that is their thinking. And then there are people who trash America who also haven't traveled. So they don't know that when you go to some of these other countries, their the other countries' immigration policy is worse than ours. Right. So then there's countries you go to and they they will just hold you in detention for five years. Yeah. They don't care. That's just how it is. And like it's it's why and it'll be it'll be the some of the progressive countries too. So then you'll you'll go somewhere, you overstay your visa. They send you back. Maybe you try to get back in. You lie on some paper, whatever. You go to a detention center. You're there for a while. A while, yeah. You know what I mean? And they don't have this whole thing of of the guilt. Because America's a melting pot, there are different levels of like culpability and guilt that every every race and ethnicity group throughout history right. has had to deal with. Right. You know, at any point, one group was terrible to another group, especially if they were neighbors. Right. And they were both poor. Right. You know? And yeah. so, so other countries don't have that like i said before with the earlier thing of like if we're all french and the french have decided to not feel bad about yeah. something they will not feel bad about it right like you you'll see there was i, I i'm getting the name wrong in my head now but like the chang changanese or there was an island of people that essentially got annexed by britain to make a military base and then i gotta look this up because i'm i'm just gonna sound like such an idiot but just they welcome to my life they uh they got annexed to make a military base on their island by the british so the british displaced them but then wouldn't make them british citizens okay and the brits either don't know about it or don't feel that bad about it because to this day it's like an unresolved issue whereas in america when you have so many different people especially so many different people that have been screwed over at some point you have enough of a rallying cry of like guys this is wrong right we should do something Right. Do you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's fascinating this book that I'm reading because it uh the the um the British are coming because it's like kind of talking about like how America even got started. Like the colonies, we were really like um Britons like all not we, the the people who lived in the colonies were they were the ones fighting in the French and Indian War. They were the ones like they were their soldiers. Like they would send the waves of co co uh colonists in first. So then when we started getting out of line and being like no taxation without representation throwing the team it's because we were like the we were the ones that were in the war we the ones that had post traumatic stress so then a whole nation of people 
got you know birthed and it's like where the warring clan like when we read about like the mongol the you know genghis genghis khan and the mongolians or like the ancient romans or the you know mohawks it's like that's what americans are we're the mm -hmm. warring clan mm -hmm. of the modern world so it's like this stuff is going to happen there's a lot of aggression here that's like i feel like other societies have just like been through they're so much more ancient than us yeah that we went through so it's so, just so homogenous yeah, it's dude, like it's that's like, why Australia got rid of guns. Yeah, because every Australian was like, "I could get shot." Yeah, yeah. Nah, I'm good. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's kind of my thing where I'm like, yeah, it's different here because there are people here who are like, "No, I'm not gonna get shot." Right, right. And I like my gun. Right. So it's yeah. so it's never gonna change for me. You I know? gotta get a gun, dude. Do you not have a gun? I don't have a fucking gun. Do you live in New York? Yeah, I live on Staten Island. Oh, so my neighbors have guns. Is it easier guns. to get a gun on Staten no, Island? No, it's impossible to get a gun in the five boroughs, man. It's fucking impossible. Oh. It's so hard. Yeah. All right, let's do a voicemail. Okay, this episode brought to you by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Great service, okay? If you've ever benefited from therapy, then I really encourage you to try BetterHelp. I've used it. It helped me a lot. You know, you don't have to go to an office. You don't have to waste time. Because there's a lot of times, to be honest with you, where like when you're suffering from anxiety or depression or, or something like that, your anxiety or depression will make you make up an excuse to not go to therapy because you're like, oh, I don't want to go because I have this or I have that. You put up all this resistance. But when it's all done entirely online, you just tap the link and then boom, you're in the session. And before you know it, you're getting the therapy and you're getting the help that you need. Um it's, it's, listen, when you have racing thoughts that won't go away, um, you have negative thought circles and you just can't find that emotional peace, BetterHelp is right for you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. They make it so easy. They match you up with a therapist that's best for you. Fill out a brief questionnaire and then they do the rest and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. They want to make this the best for you. Right now, you can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com dot com slash chaos that's better help h-e-l-p dot com slash chaos 10 percent off your first month get a break from your thoughts with better help uh hi chris this is uh connor lawson uh, uh right now i'm looking at colleges so what's the deal on that do you think it's worth it is it a complete waste of time and money uh what do you think about that should i you know weigh it i don't know my parents think i should go what do you, what do you think college Here's what I'll say about college. I think that you should go, or you, if you go, I don't think you need to pay top dollar to go to an institution like a Harvard or Yale or Columbia. I don't think that gets you any, in today's world, any further ahead than if you went to a community college or a state college and paid less than half that, as long as you're getting a benefit of it and you're doing something you like. I, I think that's the only difference that I have is, I don't think these big time schools matter as much as they used to. What do you think? Um, I think I think there's two like very key pieces of information missing in the question. It's like one, what do you want to do? Because yeah. if this kid wants to be a doctor, please go to college. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, like, yeah. like do not be a doctor that's self-taught on YouTube, right? right, right. Uh, and then also, where can you get in, and how much scholarship money will they give you? Because the only way that I in in, in that I disagree with what you said is that. I do think that within those networks of, of alumni in schools, they operate in a way that we're just not right. aware of. Like, I think if you went to an Ivy League school and you made enough of a, of a web around yourself while you were there, 
I think it does pay dividends when you leave just because you'll you'll right. find even with like even with writers sometimes you'll find that like all these people like know each other from Harvard and right. not not a ton of writers but like nine writers will have all gone to Yale right and you're like what I was working at Trader Joe's like, yeah, did, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. and it, look to, to be fair we ended up in the same place so I'm not saying you need it I'm just saying like there there is this yeah. like you'll you'll even find with people who are able to um to manipulate uh like manipulate people and scam people that all of their seed money came from like you know right. like Yale friends so right. I guess if you're running a scam go yeah. ahead and go to an Ivy League school but the the last thing is just um it does suck because we're we're in this limbo now where a lot of employers require college but they don't trust people who just graduated right and yeah. that and i don't know how to circumvent that it's like they've literally made college useless because they themselves that require it don't want to hire right. new people to the workforce they're right out of college right but they're also like no you need some you need some or a lot of college yeah it's a good point i think that because you know i have a couple of people i know work in hr and they're like we'd rather now hire the person who's got experience and no college than the person coming out of college because it's not that we have to teach them we've always been around teaching them we've always been you know open to teach the youth but the type of kid coming out of certain colleges now is very difficult person to deal with very sheltered life complains about everything doesn't understand like what real work is and a lot of people are less and less want to take that on so i think these college if you're going to go to college go to a school you know like that's that's just a little bit more real world stuff like go to i would pick a school that has has had a few shootings you know what i mean get okay. out there a school you're on your toes a okay little bit. get yeah. into the real world a yeah. little bit all right you know that's yeah. what i think that's my advice a school for that's crumbling yeah 100 percent Hundred percent. Go to the what was that movie accepted? The South Harmon Institute of Technology. Yeah. Shit. The yeah. shit sandwiches. It's also a thing of like if you how how do I put this? It's like because so many colleges are for profit, mm -hmm. they're they're inclined to hold retention. Right. So a lot of colleges used to let you fail out, but now you'll find that, you know, they said whatever a quarter of uh the freshman class will graduate as actually by like because of money. And because of their choice to drop out. Right. It's not because they're just failing across the board because right. college is like they they did a study and they found that college now, especially if you're a general studies major, college now is tantamount to our grandparents high school. Whoa. That's 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 what they they were saying that they've concluded based off of how easy it is to pass right. what you cover. Because also high school used to be what we get out of college. Now there used to be home ec, there used to be shop, there used to yeah. be like all of these different things right. that were life things. Right. You know? How do you feel about the affirmative action stuff that just went down a couple of weeks ago? I think that people don't I especially growing up in the South, it's a trend I've noticed where you're never actually uh, because America is such a quilt and we're so intertwined, you're never like screwing over the people you think you're screwing over. Right. Like if this was about getting black people and, and getting like, it's like, look, yes, yes, but also poor whites, it's coming. Right. It's like if you're if you're a poor white, ah, this, right. is, this is rough now. Yeah. Because cause now I know that poor white people don't consider themselves in any diversity um, conversation, 
but there is a lot of diversity based on income and based off sure. like background. Sure. So if we're losing that as well, and look, don't get me wrong. Maybe I didn't read the decision, so maybe it's just race. But like, if it's if it's essentially doing away with any form of right. affirmative action in that way, that means a lot of like poor white kids aren't going to get yeah. scholarships. Yeah, I saw something. I forgot who said it. Might have been like Thomas Sowell, who I know can be controversial to some, but but I. I I heard him say something about like affirmative action with it being like if you take someone based off race and or, you know, they have good grades like they're really like because listen, to get into an Ivy League school, you have to meet. You're not just going to get in because of a race. You have to meet a certain level. Right. Yeah. But they were saying for, for affirmative action, if you get into that Ivy League school and you are amazing, you're an amazing student and you got in and the, the deciding factor was affirmative action race. You might not excel at that Ivy League school because, yes, you were the best for who you were, but like everybody else around you might be all Asians and whites and whatever. It doesn't matter the race. They're, they have a 99.9 average and they got in because of their grades and whatever, and they're excelling in the Ivy League. And you would have excelled at a school right outside of an Ivy League. You would have went on to become the best of the best, but instead you dropped out of an Ivy League because you were that much lower. He's like, that's not helping. Yeah. That is not helping non-whites yeah and i was like and i know there's more to it than that but i always mm -hmm. thought that was interesting i'll even pitch you this uh this is my thing that's always bothered me about affirmative action especially around growing up in louisiana and being around white people who speak on affirmative action there's an attitude that is just so prevalent that like let's say there are 10 positions and then um eight of the positions go to like white people or white right. dudes or whatever and then the last two go to like a black guy and an Asian woman. And the person, the white person who does not get the job now is looking <laughs> at the black yeah. and an Asian. And it's like there were also eight white people who beat you out. Right. And right. that's that's the thing that always bothers me where I'm like, why are you literally like zeroing in on someone who you feel like slipped through the that means by your own logic, you want to slip through the cracks. Sure. And so it's just a it's a weird it's it's a it's a weird thing that people ever got upset about that also talk about working hard because that's the other thing you'll see is that the people who hate affirmative action and the idea of it and what they think it is and who they think it helped right. are all about hard work. But then, when you didn't get the thing, yeah, you're like, but what about all of the people who look like you or have your background yeah. that beat you out? Yeah, I remember when I was a physical therapist, I I got. Um, that you could get a scholarship for the Board of Ed uh, to work for the New York City Board of Education, and that basically would pay for your graduate school, which was a lot of money. And you could, all you do was work for the Board of Ed for two years, and then boom, you would get that scholarship, and then they would forget, they would pay your schooling. You just work for them for the Board of Ed. They paid you in full, but that's it. They that that's the Board of Ed scholarship. It was a great program. So I applied, whatever, got to the interview, gave the great interview. I remember I got there so early professional suit everything i was like whatever and then i remember the kid guy in my class who did get it asian kid late shirt untucked you know um not the best student was in school like not giving it 100 percent ever anyway he gets the scholarship and i didn't and i remember in that moment i remember in that moment like my mom i was on vacation with my girlfriend at the time and she had gotten the letter to the house and she she didn't want to tell me till we got back on vacation. So we get home 
And she's like, you know, honey, I just want to let you know, like, you, you didn't get that scholarship. Um, the letter came in the mail. Thank you, whatever. And but for some reason, I don't know how she knew. Maybe it said like a congratulations from the school who did get it. She was like, oh, this person got it. And I remember like being like so like angry. And then it was my mom because my mom was very level headed and very like for her age and where she comes from, like just very like she's been progressive. She was progressive in the 70s, like one of those women. That's just like I've always she's always seen what people are seeing now. She's like, you have to understand, honey, he's Asian. The, 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 the school that they're placed in, she's like, I looked it up, is an Asian community with Asian-speaking children. It, it literally, it is the best fit for that person to go there despite anything else. It has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that that is the best fit, even if his grades were a little less than yours. And forget about all this. This, this, was, she, and this is what sucked me. She said, that was never your position to get. So go out and get another position and be like, he's going to be great there. You go be great somewhere else. And then I kind of just like let it all go where sometimes when I see people hanging on and getting like so mad, like you said, like with how come that position's mine? It's like, bro, that position was never going to be yours. Like you're never yeah. really in, you're never really in a race with anybody. You're, yeah. The race is only with yourself and people use race or religion or whatever to like justify their failures. But it's like, dude, yeah, failing or not getting something is just a part of life. It's going to make you a better person if you yeah. allow it to. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I yeah, it always just bums me out where I'm like, you'd be so much better. Like if you're if if a person feels like a loser, right, and then they look at everyone who's not like them that's succeeding, it's like no matter who you are, there are plenty of people like you that are succeeding right now. Right. So looking at anyone else, like yeah. even even to a certain degree, it's like, yes, there's history and there's like even zoning is weird yeah. in certain places. There's still some parts of America that are very segregated and stuff. But I've even had that with with other black people where they'll be talking about they'll be talking about something that they want or something that they were going for and 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 they'll bring up white people in this way where I'm like, look, if you can point to a white person right now, I'll be on your side. Right. But the idea of white people out there yeah, doesn't meet stupid. Yeah. it doesn't meet the same thing as what you're saying you wish you had. Right, right, right. Yeah. It, does that make sense what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. But that's I think like too, like, you know, sometimes like when we get into like discussions with like race and this and that, I'm like, man, like it, it is kind of like simply to say, like, can we all just get along? But in a way, it's, I mean, the guy that said that got shot. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's what it said. yeah, that guy. Oh. That guy got fucking yeah. popped. God that's damn. what I was going to say. Yeah. And, and that's why something that I feel like shooting people to say that because it, it's, it's much more deep than that. But I think, you know, just I don't fucking know. I got Puerto Rican kids. You know, one of my oldest daughters, you know, she's she's only speaking Spanish lately. So I got I got more shit to deal with. It's like I got a language barrier with my own fucking family. So go to Yale if you're black, Chinese. I don't give a fuck anymore, dude. Just kids. My kid wants me to pay her in pesos. <laughs> All right, Josh Johnson, everybody. Where can they see you? Oh, yeah. So I have a podcast. That's yeah, so, okay. It's called The Josh Johnson Show. It's actually um, a lot like this, yes. but I, I do it with my friend Logan Nielsen, and we tell each other stories about our lives, and, okay. and uh, it's like a living memoir. Nice. And then you can find me on the socials at Josh Johnson Comedy on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, yep. where I post my stand-up and clips from my show and stuff, and... Yeah, come see me in New York. Um, I always put up on joshjohnsoncomedy.com my tour dates. So, yeah. There it is, baby. Mm -hmm. Go see Josh Johnson. Thanks for having me. All right, baby. Trader Joe's for life. All day.